Uh, well, I I can say by um, with a lot of certainty that uh, this church is a church of faith because you allow me to come here and share the word with you again. So maybe we should even change the name of the church. <laughs> faith Church. Anyway, God is good. Uh, before, before we get into the message, why don't we uh, pray so that God will bless the time. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, give you praise. You are already doing so much among us. Uh, by the testimony of your children here, you are at work. You are real. You mean what you say, and you do what you say. Father, we thank you for that. Now, I am just, I'm, I am just a mere man. Um, I'm here with two small fishes, three loaves. I ask that you multiply it, that you feed your people, that there will be plenty left for us to take home and share with other, other people that are not able to come today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you heal the sick, that you bind the heart, that you strengthen us, you encourage us, you help us to see you above all. Let your people hear you. Uh, encourage me that I will be um, that I'll not be in the way that you do the work that you want to do. We are asking for miracles, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So as uh, several, as Scott has shared at uh, the church here, we are all about Christ. Uh, we are a gospel-centered church. We love Christ. Uh, we do all things by the strength that he gives us. Uh, and we believe, and that's our conviction, that everything, every single thing uh, is made by Christ and is for him. It's for him. Uh, all things point to him. Uh, Every single act that happens uh, points to Christ. Um, one of the good things uh, that Christ has done for me is give me children. And it's amazing how much I've grew uh, by the fact, by looking at my children and um, seeing, uh, learning some of the things that God wants to teach me. It's it's very funny. If you look at if you look at children, right, they grow up till a certain point, and then all of a sudden, they're they're like strangers in your house. <laughs> <laughs> they don't they, you don't you don't really recognize them. It's just as if they were parachutes into the house. So I'm getting to that phase now, and and. It, it, is, it is truly amazing uh, what happens. I mean, I've heard about it, but it's something else when you see it in action. Um, so as any you know, typical engineer, uh, I went in and tried to figure out exactly how this thing worked. <laughs> so, yes, I, 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 see, I, see, I, I see a lot of parents here can, can relate. Can relate. Um, what happened? is that it turned out that about 95% of their brain is fully developed when they hit their teenage years, 95%. And then the 5% is really where the real thing happened. Because what, what happens is that 
the, the parts of the brain are already in place, but the, piece, the missing piece are all the connections. So the wires are not completely uh, connected. So think about it as your entertainment center, right? <laughs> you have the speaker, you have the receiver, and you know the remote control is the last thing that shows up. So, you know, I, I go through that, and I take one of my, my children, that will remain unna un, unnamed, <laughs> and as I, I look at the things that he said or do, <laughs> and at one point, I, I went, I said, look, why will you disobey? I mean, knowing very well that there are consequences, you don't even cover your tracks, I'm going to know, and you're just exposing yourself to unpleasant consequences. Why would you do that? And usually, you know, the child would just look at me, you know. Um, but God is good because uh, as I went through the science and still couldn't figure it all out, um, because knowing that the, the wires are not connected still doesn't help me, right? So, but, but, but look, at, look at the passage that we're going to read today. Um, it is on page 178 in the Bible that uh, we're passing out. Joshua 1.7, and I'm going to read for, from the ESV. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. That's exactly what I told my child. I said, look, if you just trust me and do exactly what, you, what I'm telling you, a lot of good things will happen to you. Trust me, I've been there. And, and, and God is telling me the same thing, that I'm in the same situation with him. So we just use this passage to see how God worked with us uh, on our walk of obedience. So I love the book of Joshua. It's a, it's a very exciting book. Uh, I love it because things, a lot of things start happening in, this, in the story of God's redemption of the humankind. It has a very good parallel with the book of Acts. Right, you have Joshua. After Moses, ha, uh, Moses had died, uh, God called Joshua with those words, say, hey, now you're going to be in charge. You're going to be the captain. And you're going to cross the Jordan with the people. And you're going to conquer the promised line, land. Um, and, and keep in mind that just like us, Right, we the the Israelites were in bondage before in Egypt. Uh, they went through the Red Sea. Um, the Bible calls it in the Book of Romans. They were baptized in the Red Sea, just like us. Similarly, we were in bondage of sin, and Christ rescued us. The the the, the good thing about the way God worked. As with all his command, there is always, there is, they always come with promises, right? There are promises. 
And those promises are, are what really, really motivate us. Um, unlike I can fail as a, as a dad, God will not fail us. And we, we all know, most, most folks here know that any promise that God has given us uh, are not vain words. He is going to deliver on those promises. So individually, for you as well as for me, any personal promise that God has given us, I would like to exhort you, exhort myself, to hold really tight to those promises that God will come through sooner or later. Because as Christians, we don't hope as the world hopes. Our hope is not subject to chance, right? It is something that is going to happen for sure. Um, we, are, we're, we are not to, to think of it we, we, we have to think of it as, as, a, as a when, right? It, it is an expectation of something that's going to happen sooner or later. Anyway, so back to our, our scripture. Um, how today, here, can we follow the law of Moses? How do we do that? The short answer is we do not have to because the law of Moses doesn't apply to us. Yes, we are sinners, Israelites were sinners, and they have to go through the animal sacrifice uh, to have their sins forgiven. In our case, since we accepted Christ, we are already all set. All right. um, in, in Romans, it says that there is therefore no, more, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we are pretty much in pretty good, safe ground to say that the law of Moses doesn't apply to us. Uh, however, we are not completely left uh, to our own devices, where we can run around and do whatever we want. We have a lot of freedom in Christ. And the key word there is in Christ. So, if we take that passage, I believe that we can replace the law of Moses by the law of Christ. And what is that law of Christ? When you get saved, when you walk with Christ, uh, the Bible, through many pictures, shows it as being attached to Christ. Uh, the Lord gives a picture of being yoked together. So really the spirit of Christ is now our new rule. The Bible says that God has uh, written his law into our heart. All right. So now, we don't have to follow a list of do's and don'ts, uh, which, is, which doesn't leave us a lot of wiggle room, because, right now, because at that point, um, the law of God is in your heart. The Spirit of God will be the one prompti prompting you, and it is very, very, uh, very hard to ignore it for very long. Um, when you think about the Israelites, right, the Jew, they managed to find loopholes, uh, they twist it, uh, do all sort of things to it so that they can obey it and still be at peace. Whereas us, uh, our, our range uh, is a little bit limited uh, because the Spirit is with us, is within us, um, and, and will ensure that we obey. The, 
the, the, other, the other thing that also, also happens to us is that Christ is the one that saves us, right? He's the one that, that makes sure that we are, we are on the right track, right? We get the whole package in one. We don't have to go to different places. The only thing that matters is to Christ. It's Christ. Uh, it starts with him. It continues with him. It ends with him. Uh, and throughout that, um, when we say stuff like that, there are a lot of people that get uneasy, right? You say, all right, you're saved. That means that you can do whatever you want. Um, when you read carefully, it's clear that if you're truly saved, you cannot just go on sinning. Um, the Spirit of God will not let you uh, continue to sin all the time. We, you, you might fall uh, once in a while, and you usually be very uh, uh, regretful. Uh, you, you, you not just dwell in your sin and, and keep on going. Um, and and that's that is the that's really the beauty of the freedom that we have in Christ. Yes, we can preach grace all day long with assurance that it's not going to be a license for sin. Because between you and I, nobody needs a license to sin. So let's throw ourselves, our confidence, everything that we have on Christ. There is, there is, I heard a guy that described it as, um, as like this. He said the reason why, that he used to go to Taco Bell a lot. And now he can no longer go to Taco Bell. And the reason why he can no longer go to Taco Bell is because he has tried Chipotle. <laughs> so after having, Chip- having had Chipotle, it's very hard for him to go back to Taco Bell uh, because of their, the great superior taste that uh, uh, Chipotle has. Now, I'm not saying that to cause you to, to be hungry, uh, but I think that it's a, it's a fair analogy that when we have tasted Christ, um, you know, uh, it's, it's very difficult knowingly uh, to continue uh, in sin. It's, it's very difficult. So, what does it take to be obedient? Right. What does it take to be obedient? Because the thing that happens is that now the Spirit is in us. God in us, it, it's, it's like um, really you're riding with Christ, the God Almighty, who knows the beginning from the end, that has spoken the universe um, into existence, that has all power. So when Christ is giving us his command, his directions... Um, usually it's much bigger than what we can see. And that's where we need courage. We need courage. That's why he's saying that you have to be strong and very courageous. Um, And we see throughout scriptures. Most likely, if you read a commandment and it doesn't scare you, it's probably because you you don't fully understand it. Um, so, So that's where God has made the provision that, hey, when you read this and you say it is impossible, that's good. Because he needs, he needs you to have courage and be strong. 
Um, so I'll just I'll just go through some some of the the comments and and see how it impacts us. The first one from from Christ is love your enemies. I used to think that I didn't have any enemy. And when I read that, and at one point it kind of stopped me, arrested me, and I started asking the Lord, you know, this enemy thing doesn't think that it applies to me. You know, show me if I have any enemy because I want to love them. And sure enough, that week I was floated by many, many names that are my enemies. And one particular at work, there is this guy, many years ago, this guy that has a loud mouth. And I'll share things, the project I'm working on, and we'll go to meeting with our leaders. And he will present the, the work, the idea, everything, as if it was his. And turn to me and say, right, right, Sammy. That sounds, sounds right, right? Um, so I'll, I'll look at that. And that used to really, really piss me off. Uh, and, and, and then I start seeing many people that, um, I would not say that I hate, that I hate, but I don't seek their company. Um, <laughs> so, so God is challenging me to love them, right? Uh, love them, pray for them. That's, that doesn't, in my human nature, it's not possible, right? So we have to ask courage. We have to ask courage, be strong, to wish them well, uh, even knowing that they're using us, without even acknowledging us. Uh, we still have to, to, you know, to be to be gracious to them and and love them. Uh, do things that you do to, I don't know, the people that you love the most that are easy easier to love. Let me put it that way. What about the the rich young ruler? Uh, we all know the story. Uh, he was convinced that he has obeyed all the, bo- all the rules that are in the books. And he came to Christ. And Christ had uh, an, uh, some affection for him. And in the end, he said, look, there's only one thing you have to do. Is that you have to sell everything you have and follow me. And again, when I read that, I say, yeah. If I, if I were in his shoes, that's a no-brainer, right? I just leave everything behind me and move on. But what happened is, this guy, is, he has a lot of wealth. And the more I think about it, if I were to receive the call to go to Abu Dhabi, sell everything, and move on, that's not an easy call to respond to. Everything you have worked for, just turn away and just follow Christ like that. Um, so it's not easy. It will take, you have to be strong and have... A, and have uh, be very courageous to do things like that. To obey Christ <clears throat> to that point, um, it, it takes, takes a lot of courage. <clears throat> now, what about the, the, main, the main job that Christ had given us? What about the Great Commission? <clears throat> Why do you think that even Paul, the great apostle, always asked to pray for boldness? Uh, if if Paul is praying for boldness, what about us? What, uh, just to talk to our neighbors or co-workers or people that we care about, our family, about Christ, uh, we usually shy away from it. Uh, yet, that's the job that we have. That's a very 
strong, clear commandment that we have, and we fail to do that so often. Um, usually after the opportunity has slipped away, that's where we're like, oh, I should have said X, Y, Z, and, and on and on. So it takes courage. It takes courage because, you know, nobody likes to be rejected. Uh, that's the bottom line. Um, and um, Christ has to help us to overcome, overcome those things. I love what Pastor Steve has uh, taught us in one of his last messages, very, very vivid picture that I have in my mind, that we are here on a rescue mission, that we have brothers and, brothers and sisters that are behind enemy enemies' lines, they're living in the enemy's, the enemy's cells, jails, um, and it is our job to go and rescue them, tell them that's our daddy is calling us, is calling them that they don't have to be in the jail. And when we go in that, on that mission, uh, two things can happen to us. And those two things will take courage to avoid them. One is that when we go into those cities, those cities are usually very seducing. So we can go with a full intent to go about this mission and be seduced, be distracted, be entertained, and on and on and on until we forget about the reason why we were in those cities because we are sojourners here. So that's one way where it has to take courage and be strong to be focused, be reminded the reason why we are here is really to go and find people that haven't heard the call and it's our job to do that. That's one thing that can happen. The second thing that can happen that's usually, you know, People will just take shot at us. Uh, you will be persecuted, uh, and I'm putting that in, in quotes here. In other countries, it's real, tangible, that people get persecuted for their faith. But in our case, it's not comfortable. Uh, you probably will have to very often go to lunch by yourself. Uh, people will say bad things about you. Uh, they will say... Um, Basically, they will, they will malign you. And, and again, Christ has already made provision for all those things. When they happen, we shouldn't be surprised. It's part of the plan. Uh, he has said that they have done it to him. Uh, what more to us? Who are we after all? So Christ um, is telling us that we need courage. Uh, we have to be strong to do those things. And if we're getting discouraged... Let's all take courage in these words, uh, because God knows that that's what it takes. In the same vein, within, in our families, right? It's Memorial Weekend. We're probably going to get together with some family members. Uh, and there will be tension, right? There are tension in my own family, where you know people make fun of you uh, about your faith, about your God. Uh, but again, no surprise. He hasn't come to bring peace. He said he came to bring sore. Uh, that's the, the, a man will be against his father, and the daughter will be against her mother, and the daughter-in-law and with against the, mo- the, the mother-in-law. So it's already bad, right? <laughs> so we don't need to add to it. Uh, but again, we should not be surprised and, and really ask for courage and be strong. And again, to, to the same, in the same, in the same vein, 
as Christians, we are really swimming upstream, right? We're going against the current. And it gets tiring. It gets tiring. And again, as a parent, I see that. I'm very, very um, sensitive to it. I see it everywhere. I see how the world is functioning. And, and, and seriously, sometimes I wonder, how did I even make it to this point? It's really amazing. And, and naturally, it calls me, it prompts me into praise uh, and gives me a lot of hope. Um, but but it's, it is very, it's hard when, uh, in, and again, in your work situation, um, you know, your boss comes to you to ask you to do something that is probably not, um, usually it's a gray area. Uh, there's a conflict of interest. Uh, there is, you know, no harm, no foul type situation. Or you look at it, and the spirit will prompt you uh, and say, "This is not right. What do you do?" Right? When we all are trying, one way or another, to please our boss so that they can, you know, because we're working for them. You're gonna be the one that's gonna say, "No, I'm not going to do that." Right? And your reputation will be what? That you're, you know, too extreme, too, I don't know, diligent or, or whatnot. That's, um, but it takes courage. It takes courage. And the funny part is that courage is really, <laughs> really, really faith. Right? Because if you are convinced, you are convinced that God is the one that provides for you, it's very easy to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Whatever happens, happens. Right? So, um, but God knows. We have to be courageous and we have to be strong. Strong in Him. Really strong in our faith. That's what will allow us to obey Him. Because when I take my child and say, trust me, do I have a track record with Him, with her? I don't know. Um, however, us, our, our father has limitless resource. We have some track record. We've seen him at work. So all it is, is look at those things and say, hey, he's trustworthy. We'll be obedient because he has promi- promised us that we'll have great success. <clears throat> Now, when you manage to not disobey, the other trap that happens is we usually would do like some partial disobedience. Where um, when we look at the text, it says all the law. You know, it's everything. Um, so there is no point trying to do what the Pharisees used to do when they had the law. They'll massage it. They'll have different interpretation. Uh, you know, when it's the Sabbath, they'll say, oh, we have to do nothing. And, you know, if somebody's sick, you don't even have to go help them. However, if one of their animals that they work with fall in a ditch, they're going to all run and, and rescue it. So, no, we don't have to do that. There's no reason to do partial obedience. And... Because Christ has come down to the root cause of our disobedience, it's, it's the hard issue. And with the hard issue, well, you can try, but the Spirit will always prompt you. You will not be at ease if you live um, 
if you are truly spiritual led, the spirit, if if truly the spirit is leading you, you would know that you are cutting corners. Dear brothers and sisters, we cannot cut corners with Christ. It's impossible. Um, it, it's we have to be all the way obedient. So, to do this, uh, there are some small steps that we can take. And it's funny, uh, as I was working on this message, I've done the, I've went through over that passage, and I, all of a sudden I become even more sensitive to the little disobedience, the little, you know, things that, as simple as you see a yellow, yellow light, do I slow down or do I accelerate? Right? But if we, if we take it seriously, that the time is in God's hand. The time is in God's hand. Why do I have to accelerate? Why do I have to? So by doing those little things, right? Your spouse calls you, and you know that you're late. And you say, oh, I'm on the way. While you're start, still trying to finish that last email that you want to send, right? Those little white lies. Let's stop. And really, when we do it, and we do it at a very small level, right? Because... We don't have to wait until the big things happen where we have to be like the hero that is super obedient and say, oh yeah, I did that because Christ will not let me. No, it's in the little things, right? Uh, the Bible says, you know, it's the little fox that, that destroyed the vine. So my encouragement for you and for me is even in the small things. Let's be obedient. And, and I even add that, you know, the, the very first sin that came into the world was, you know, kind of a, a half-truth type situation where the snake went and, and asked Eve, did God really say that you shall not eat of any fruit? That's also what God said. God said you can eat any fruit that you want with the exception of one. But that's not how the snake formulate the question. And then he proceeds to say, oh, you surely would not die if you do that, right? Yeah, she, you know, she ate it, he ate it, they didn't die right away, but they died progressively. Or, they died because they were separated from God. So, my prayer is that God will help us, will help us be sensitive to those things, and, um, and that will We'll, we'll have courage and be strong no matter what the consequences because he has made promise. We have better promises for us. Now, what we, what we believe matters, right? Because if we believe the wrong thing, we'll obey the wrong thing thinking that we're being obedient, right? So we have to be careful in the stuff that we believe. God asked Joshua to not turn to the left or to the right. And when you read the Bible, there are so many uh, teachings that sometimes feel like they're at odds. Because really what I found out is that God has just made a very small, narrow path that we have to be on. And you cannot turn left or right. You have to be smack down in the middle. And that's really where we find God's will for us. It is on that road, and there is only one. 
Paul, Paul saw that, and when he, uh, in his letter to, to, to Timothy, he said, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 It is so important that we uh, embrace the whole counsel of God. The entire the entire Bible, we, 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 we embrace it all. Imagine one second that you are backpacking, right? And you're in this huge forest and you just realize that you took the wrong map, but you've already, you know, a day, two days into your trip. Um, after three, four days, believe me, you will be sincerely looking for the right way. You will be lost, but you'll be sincere. You'll be looking for it sincerely. Um, that's what it will be for Christians if we don't embrace the whole counsel of God. I started, I started uh, by saying that in this church, we love Christ. We're all about Christ. We love every doctrine of Christ. Uh, we love God's sovereignty. Um, we love God's election. We love all the things that the Bible teaches. And we all have our favorite doctrines, and we tend to fall back to those doctrines quite often. But we should not forget the other part, um, because there is always another part, right? Because the, the message of God is very balanced. And like I said, you walk on that one direction one line and you're not supposed to turn left or right or you'll be lost so if you look at uh, a simple doctrine as God's sovereignty you look at how God saved people right we encourage we exalt people to accept Christ right you have to accept Christ because the Bible says you have to confess him to be saved so you have to do something on the other hand, God is saying, look, I chose you from the beginning of the world. It seems like it's very contradictory. Uh, God said we should pray. We should pray. But at the same time, the same Bible is saying, nobody can influence God. He's sovereign. He does exactly what he wants to do. Nobody, he doesn't counsel, he doesn't check with anybody. He does exactly what he wants. And yet, he asks us to pray. Uh, there, are, there are many, many more that, uh, you know, that are apparent contradiction where God will say, I, need, I don't need anybody. As a matter of fact, no human hands can serve me. And the same time, he's talking about we are his servants. In the same breath, he'll say that we are his friends. We are not his servants. Right? We're not, I'm not going to try to reconcile all those things. Most of them you can reconcile. Uh, God has chosen for us to pray, for Him to act. That is His sovereign decision. That He it pleases Him that when His children come to Him in prayer, He acts. Prayer make a difference. Prayer prayers make a difference. So, and same thing, right? God will ask us to go preach the gospel. 
right? If God is sovereign, He's going to save who He's going to save. We can just sit back and relax, right? And never, nevertheless, He said, "Look, faith come by hearing. We have to go preach. We have to get up physically, go do something." So all those doctrines, the moment we read them. We shouldn't be saying, mm, yeah, this part, I don't like it. It doesn't apply to me. I like that other part better. The more you do that, that means you're going left. Yeah, you're going to start like the Israelite in the desert for 40 years. You'll be turning around, walking around, because you're going left all the time. So you have to be sure that you banish all of them. Personally, I don't think I can reconcile all of them all the time. Most of them, I'm very comfortable with. Most of them. The vast majority of them. But there's still this very small percentage that I just go back to my child. All my connections are not made yet. I don't, it doesn't make sense. Right? I have to grow. And if God has mercy on me, I will understand some more. Uh, but one thing for sure, one thing for sure, and I'm convinced of that, is that he said that Right now, we're seeing through a veil glass, but the moment we see him face to face, everything will make sense. All the connections will be made in my brain, and I'll have eternity to discover Christ. That's how huge he is, an eternity to explore. Um, I can't wait for that. It's, it's really exciting. Okay, so if we go back to our, our text, it says that we'll have great success. Let's just spend a few words on that success. So from the get-go, the success that he's talking about here is not the American dream. Sorry. Um, it is not. It is not at all the American dream. As a matter of fact, the gospel makes little provision for material success. And the more I look at it, just even sometimes feels like it's totally against it. Because very few people can obey God to the letter and be extremely successful. You'll take a long time or God have to give you that wealth one way or another. Um, and even when you have that, he's asking you to give it away. <laughs> so you, can't ha- you cannot have, it cannot be that if you're truly born again, it cannot be the American dream. It just cannot, right? You can, you're not going to retire, go play golf in, 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 in Florida. It's not going to happen. Um, because you'll be busy. You will be busy. Uh, the Spirit will not let you. Uh, and you'll find a lot of joy and excitement, even more exciting than, than playing golf. There is, a, there is a parable of Christ that's, uh, that I find very intriguing. It is in Luke 16. So you don't have to turn there. But really quickly is a rich man that has uh, uh, a manager. And he got report that this manager is wasting uh, his resources, the resources that he's supposed to manage. So the rich man here, which will be God and the manager being us, calls him in and say, hey, 
give me the the account. What 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 are I hear all these things about you. So, the the manager, the the, the Shrua steward, quickly went because he knew that he was going to get fired. He knew for sure. So what he did, he called all the people that they owe that owed them money and said, "All right, pretty much I'm gonna give you you know whatever you you owe, rewrite it, and I'll forgive you half of it." And he did it to several people like that. And the shocking part is that the 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 rich man, the owner, God Christ, commended him for that act, that dishonest act. I find it very shocking, right? Because the thing that he did was were not right, and yet even Christ said we should learn from that guy. So without going too much into it, what I took out is that when he was wasting the money. He was wasting it on himself. Whereas now, and the Bible says that, that, he was trying to make friends. Right? So our resources, we're supposed to make them, to use them to win people to Christ. So when we get to heaven, we'll all rejoice together. So true success, really, uh, in the end, if God gives you material success, that's great. Um, we have to use it for, for his work and not use it on ourselves. Um, but true success, that's the one that I am after, that Christ wants us to be after, is to, to know and find Christ, to have the conviction that he's got our back, that his grace is sufficient, that that grace doesn't run out. We have it today, we can be assured that it's going to be there tomorrow. To be at peace in Christ, to be to rest in Christ, that's true riches. That's what we want, because every other riches will fail us. They try to do that job that Christ will do for us, but they inevitably fail us, because thief will come, the stock market's gonna crash, you're going to lose a house, there will be an earthquake, there will be mold, there will be rust. It's not reliable. But Christ, doesn't matter where you go. You are, you are happy. You are happy. Um, there, isn't, there isn't anything else that you can, that to do it, that can scratch that part. Um, and the world tries to do that, but they fail. So our rich, our riches, the promise that Christ has given us, is Himself, and our enjoyment in Him. Because all the promises of God find their yes in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are. Marvelous. We thank you. We thank you for these words to encourage us. But Father, none of your command we can do by ourselves. So we cast ourselves back onto you. That you help us, that you guide us, that you give us backbone to obey you. Father, we do not want to be lost in your word you have promised to be our teacher that you're going to teach us all things 
So Lord, there again, we need you. We need you to be our treasure. Things that we enjoy the most, that we care about. We ask your blessings on us. We ask that you give us a great week. That based on those, that treasure, those riches that you have given us, we'll give it to other people. Because it doesn't run, it doesn't run out. It renews every day. Heavenly Father, we trust you. We trust you that you heal people in this room. We trust you that you encourage your children. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.